Hello and welcome to the Amplify podcast. My name is Ryan, the lead pastor at New Hope Church. And in this episode, my wife and I take time and we look at how to help our kids, the kids we love and are investing into, not just to be good kids, but to be godly kids. In this episode, you're going to hear stories of our own, uh, with our own kids and how we've worked to help them. Also talk about different stages of development and some practical ideas of how you can help your kids get into God's work. Because here's what we know. When God's word gets into our kids, they become different. God will transform them from the inside out. Hope you enjoy this episode. We're going to take a little bit of time while the kids are in class. And I know they're excited about uh, the pumpkin carving and all of that. Um, uh, to, to hopefully encourage you. Uh, we're, my name's Ryan. This is Laura, if we haven't met us before. And I um, also want to introduce you to our family. They're up there on the screen behind, if, if you don't know our, our crew. Uh, Sean is a, um, hard to say, hard to believe, a freshman in college. He's down at LSU this semester, and he is studying opera and uh, music education and loving it. Uh, he'll be back in a couple weeks, and we're excited. We're for Thanksgiving, and we're excited about that. But when he comes back, he has a beard now, so he looks really different. It's going to be kind of fun to get our hands on him again. Uh, Megan, who's also in the picture on the right, she is a senior at ADM High School. And actually today, just found she got accepted to her college of choice, so that's uh, exciting. Uh, Elena is a sophomore in high school, and then Ashlyn is a fourth grader, and obviously here tonight and headed down the hallway with the other fourth graders. And and so we have uh, quite the crew. The older three are all 18 months apart. So in terms of parenting, which is really what we're talking about tonight, we had a season where we had three in diapers, three really close together, and then we had a gap and had Ashlyn um, later on. So, But we are excited to share with you tonight and hopefully try to encourage you a little bit. So where to start? God gave us these amazing, beautiful children, and we both had very different upbringings as far as... Um, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were missionaries, so I grew up overseas. And the word, scripture memory, um, all the Bible stories were just like the back of my hand. I just, I knew them, um, hands down. Ryan didn't grow up in a Christian home, so he did not grow up um, with any of the spiritual disciplines that we were hoping to incorporate into our family. So getting married, having these children, um, we were like, okay, how do we do this? Where do we start? Um, and I think what my heart is to encourage all of us is that the goal with training our kids is not to be the perfect parent. Like, God has never asked us to be perfect and do it right with every single one of our kiddos. Um, he is the only perfect parent who ever walked on the planet, and we all know what free will did. You know, we're not dealing with children who are going to do everything that we hope that they do or want them to do or teach them to do. But our goal is to introduce them into a relationship. And so um, we all know how complicated relationships are, and it's not just A plus B equals C, that if we do this plug and play, it's all going to be just okay, and we're going to get the results that we want. So I just want to give that disclaimer. And we're not here because we have amazing stories to tell about our kids, or um, you know that we haven't made some massive mistakes along the way, but... Uh, we hope that we can share something that might encourage you. So, yeah. I think the big idea for tonight we want to communicate is what really matters is getting our kids into Scripture so that Scripture gets into them. 
See, parenting, I would submit to you, is much more than just character development. And and that's a good thing, but it has to be more than that. Because, and even as we have talked about before, if, if we raise our kids to be good people, that's a good thing. But if we help our kids get into Scripture and again, Scripture into them, we know that's transformative. If you, if you parent them toward the first, meaning character, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to capture the, um, what it means to have a relationship with Christ. But if you parent them toward a relationship with Christ, they'll get the character because he's going to help build that into them. And so it's really a simple idea for tonight, but tonight we want to talk about and focus on Scripture and, and helping our kids get into them and hopefully share some, some practical ideas. And as Laura said, this is not about being the perfect parent or, or having it all figured out, but hopefully just some, some tools and some ideas you can take with you that will encourage you and, and help you. I want to start with a couple of Scriptures, though, and uh, they're going to be on the screen behind, so I mean, you don't have to turn in the Bible or your, your smartphone, but... Um, Two scriptures. The first one is from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Maybe a familiar verse. Uh, in fact, both of these probably are. But I love this one as a reminder, both for ourselves, but also our role as moms and dads. For all scripture is God-breathed and is useful. I'm going to pause here real quick because we're not talking about with the, with the Bible, just any other book. There are a lot of wonderful books. We even brought some books somewhere that um, we're going to talk about later on to encourage you maybe to, to engage with. But, but Scripture, as it says in Hebrews, is living and active. This is not like any other book. And so here we see it's, it's God-breathed, and it's useful. And I've italicized these key words because I want us to, to really connect to these ideas. As you see, for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Now, as you look at that, it may just feel like a big word salad of just these sort of random words that are, yes, important, but there's actually a lot of intentionality behind these words and what Paul's communicating. Uh, To illustrate that, I want to sort of stand up, and I know I'm going to go down here. Maybe you can't see me as well. But the idea here is that Scripture, being God-breathed and useful for you and I and for our kids, is useful first for teaching. In other words, the Bible helps us to know the direction we should go. So I want you to imagine with me a path. And the path is just going straight down here. And so the Bible teaches us this is the path, this is the way that we should walk. But if you're like me and your kids are like you, et cetera, there's going to be a point where they're going to go off path, right? That's just going to happen. Sin, nature, et cetera. Scripture then is also useful for when that happens. So you taught the way to go, you go off path. It also is good to rebuke. It's the stop sign. It's the dashboard on the car that says stop pause, warning, you're going the wrong way. Scripture is helpful as the Holy Spirit uses it to rebuke the person. Stop. Third, what's the next word? Correct, to get us back toward the path that we're supposed to go. And then as we go, then the final word is training. And of course, the idea of training, teaching is not training and training is not teaching. Training is when you help somebody, you teach them what it is that they're to learn. They go through an experience where they have the opportunity to learn it and can reflect on what they've learned. Teaching is oftentimes disseminating information. And so hopefully you see this full arc of correction here and coaching, if you will, that Scripture has. It's useful for teaching the way you should go, rebuking you when you get off the path, correcting you back to the way God wants us to go, and then finally training us, and as the Scripture continues, in righteousness, so that the man or person of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
not about you, but this is what I want for, for my life and, and for Laura, but also for our kids and obviously for you as well. This is the role scripture plays in us. It's indicative then of how important it is to get our kids into the Bible. Here's another one. Jumping back to the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter six. This is an important chapter for the Jewish people. The Shema is here. Um, this is also where Jesus pulls the great commandment from. So as you read there, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Now, I'm gonna pause real quick. What I did here for the PowerPoint slide is I italicized the verbs. Just a scripture reading tip. When you're reading through scripture, pay attention to the verbs. Um, these, are, these are strong words, and, they, and they, they speak to how we're to, in this case, both for our own lives, but also, as you'll see, for our children to um, help them get into Scripture. So impress them uh, on your uh, children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. What's that referring to? That's just referring to life, isn't it? It could say for us, as you're driving your kids to soccer practice, as you're running down to fairway to pick up something for dinner, as you're driving your kids to school in the morning, whatever it is you find yourself doing as you're with them, talking about it, making it a present thing. It's not just for Sunday school. It's not just for Sunday morning that we would, we would as it says here, in this impressing on our children process, that we would be open and willing and um, intentional to talk about scripture with our kids, what you're learning, what you're reading, what are they reading, reading et cetera. It continues on. Uh, Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. In other words, make them a present part of your life. Uh, the, the, the symbols, this is poetic wording, if you will, but tie them as symbols on your hands refers to actions and so how you live daily life. Bind them on your foreheads, how you think. Of course, how we think is how we live, and so it's also making this an important part of our lives. And then finally, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This last part is about identity. There's another scripture, I believe it's in Joshua, talks about how as for us and for our house, we will serve the Lord. This is who we are, and this is what we stand for, and this is how we operate, and these are the values that we as a family, a household, will live by. And so that's what this refers to, that this writing on the door frames of your house and the gates is identity. This is who we are. This is what we stand for, and this is a value that's important to us. And what, of course, we're talking about is Scripture. Yes, that we read it, that we talk about it, that we share it, that we ask questions and dialogue, both, both with spouses but also with our kids. But I hope this communicates more than anything is urgency and importance. If we don't help our kids get into Scripture, we've missed something significant. Check out this quote. This is by D.L. Moody. He said, the Scriptures weren't given to increase our knowledge. They were given to change our lives. And that's what Scripture does. It's the Word of God in you with the Spirit of God in you that creates what is often called that incorruptible seed that will transform a person. And we want that for our kids. And then finally, you see there on the same slide there, George Barna, he said this, and studies confirm this over and over again, what you believe by your 14th birthday is generally what you die believing. I read another stat 
that said that 85% of people who come to Christ do so in these Amplify Age years. So important, such a tender time, such a time to invest in these kids. They're sponges. They want to hear it from you. They want to see it in you. We've got to help our kids with this. Tag off. All right, tag accepted. Okay, so the phases of development, um, as you all know, and a lot of you, I know, have children in multiple phases of development, um, so you'll get this. But the first phase is the copycat phase, and this is kiddos who are ages two to five. And everyone knows, two-year-olds, they're just going to copy what you do. I remember um, cell phones were just coming out when our little son, Sean, was like three or four. And um, he would walk around with his little Fisher-Price cell phone and just walk around the room and just go, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Because that's what I would do on the phone was that I'm, I'm not much of a talker, but I just, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I would just kind of do housework as I went. But that copycat phase. So as you're... As you are in the word, and as you are praying, and as you are modeling to your little ones, um, even getting in the word with them, with an age-appropriate Bible, um, and just taking those really sweet moments to be together and spend time with Jesus, they will copy you and model that, um, even in their playtime. The next phase of development is the counseling phase, and this is ages 6 to 11, so this goes about to fifth grade. And this is the why, why phase. So they know they've copied you, and all of a sudden they're like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why, why do you read your Bible? Why, why do we have to go to church? Why are we going to amplify? Why, why do I have to be nice to that person on the playground? Like they're just trying to figure out why they're doing what they're doing, like what they really believe. And then the coaching phase, and this is age 12 and up, which is typically sixth grade on, this is where it gets a little more challenging as a parent because you kind of take a back seat and they start living out their beliefs. So you start to see them maybe challenging what you've taught them. So they may start disobeying the rules just to figure out, okay, do I really believe that lying is a sin? Can I get away with it? or cheating, or stealing, or, you know, you may see these behaviors where they're trying to solidify their beliefs independent of you. Um, and so this can be a really challenging phase where you're more a coach and a cheerleader, and you just pray that they come to you with questions. And more often than not, if you have teenagers, um, like we have two in the home, the door is shut. The bedroom door is shut, and before we knock and go in, it's like you put your hand up because you don't know if something's going to fly at you as you open that door. And, and, and they don't necessarily want to communicate or talk as much as the little ones do. Um, and then an additional challenge is when you have kids in multiple phases at the same time. So knowing as a family, how do we, how do we help our five-year-old um, learn about God, learn the truth, as well as how do we help our 16, 17, 18-year-old kind of learn to practice their beliefs in a really safe environment um, and trying to coach them in a way that is going to honor God. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and the main thing that, that we found is 
just trying in each of those phases, trying to find ways that the child will learn the best. So this is just knowing your kid. What does your kid respond to the most? So we have Ashlyn, who um, at Hidden Acres, she got second place in the talent show for rapping Hamilton. So she came home, we're like, okay, you like to rap, and you can learn those massive songs. Um, we're going we're gonna to rap some scripture memory. So we're like, Psalm 23, here you come. So she can rap Psalm 23, but she knows it because she can rap it. Whereas Megan is a little more artistic. So Megan, Megan would like to paint a picture. And then she would like to artistically kind of write the words within her picture about Psalm 23, and that would get into her heart. Um, Elena, you could tell her that she can't go to soccer practice until she memorizes Psalm 23, and she'll have it done within two minutes. So um, how, however your kid learns the best, try, try to hone in on, on that. You know, if they're um, social, church is fantastic. Bring them to church. You know, they'll learn in a big group of people. Um, you know, if, if your kid really learns by listening, maximize those moments in the car. Listen to podcasts. Get, get the word into them by hearing. Or if they're writers, you know, have them journal. Um, as you're reading scripture at night, just have them write down verses that stand out and then talk about it. Why did that stand out to you? Uh, what do you learn about God in this? Um, so yeah, those are um, those are just some ways, just to hone in on your kids' specific phase that they're in, as well as their learning um, learning style. I'll just add one other thing to that is is and and here's here's the the challenge as we begin to close um, this evening. The challenge is to find one way, and maybe you're already doing something, and I applaud that, and keep that going. It's effective. But, but if you're not currently, just to find one way that you can begin to encourage your kids or do it with your kids to get in Scripture uh, together. But here's what, I, here's what I know about you, and here's what I know about me. We're busy parents, and we have busy kids. So how, when do we do this? And we, Laura talked about some how ideas of some things you can do, but, but when do we do this? And, and that's to be the other key piece is you have to decide um, as a couple, as a family or whatnot, when are you going to do this? Is it gonna be at dinner time? That we're just gonna take five minutes at dinner time or 10 minutes or open a conversation, that's when we do it. Is it bedtime? Is it after school? Is it, I mean, what is it that works well for you and your rhythm and your family? Because if you don't name the time, the time will pass you by and weeks will pass by and you'll blink and be like, the heart is willing, it just never actually happened. And so that's why I want to encourage you. How are we gonna do it? When are we gonna do it? And I just, I wanna, I wanna close again with just some, some encouragement. Um, we've said often, we did our best parenting before we had kids because we'd look at all the other parents and be like, oh, we would never do that. Then you have kids and you realize, wow, this is hard. This is really hard and humbling. And there's been many a times, plenty of times, that maybe like you, we've thought, this isn't going well. And I don't think this is going to turn out well. Um, but grace. And God shows up. And God does amazing things. Stay the course. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep planting seeds. Which brings us to why in the world do we bring so many watermelons on a night when we're carving pumpkins? We walked in the building, everybody's like, you know we're carving pumpkins, Right? Not watermelons. Yes, we know that. Um, something sort of funny happened in our garden this year. 
So my neighbor and I have a competition because I have the worst garden on the block. And so my goal is always to beat her in how many cool things I can get from my garden. Well, this year she came over as I was planting my seeds and she was like, here, here's four watermelon seeds. I know you're gonna need this. So I'm like, yeah, Becky, I'm not gonna need your seeds. But I planted them anyway, so I planted four. So, you know, 10 days goes by, all of a sudden four watermelon seeds pop up. My seeds aren't coming up that I planted. I'm like, oh man, Becky's right. I need these watermelon seeds. Well, a rabbit got into my garden and ate three of them. So I had one. I had one watermelon seed. And out of that seed, we got, this isn't even all the watermelons, but the watermelon took over my whole entire garden. And we have so many watermelons. But we thought, what an awesome example of one seed. And as parents, keep planting those seeds because you never know the fruit that will come out of it. Um, and how much fruit. And, you know, God is responsible for the fruit. And he's responsible for our kids. But our job is to plant seeds, to water, to tend it. And, and he is the one that makes it all grow. It's, it's all God. Um, we had a really cool win um, with our son. And uh, son of, some of you know our son. He's, he's very intellectual loves to argue. I always thought he would be a lawyer. He'd be fantastic. Um, growing up in a Christian home, he knew the word. He knew the stories. He read the Bible. I don't know how many times. Um, he came to a point where I think because his heart, his heart for people and then what he saw scripture say, he just couldn't, couldn't align the truth of the Bible with what he saw going on in society. And so he came to a point where we were really afraid he was just going to reject the Lord. Um, and, and we were just praying like crazy. And um, anyway, sending him off to school, we were like, okay, Lord, he is yours. We have done our best, and, and we love him, and we just hope that he has a heart for you. Well, so he goes to LSU. One week after classes, Hurricane Ida hits. So he's on um, mandatory lockdown in his, in his dorm. And at that time, um, all of campus had been evacuated, and he was left with like seven to ten guys in his dorm. And for some reason, all of those guys wanted to hang out in Sean's room. Um, so they barricaded the windows, and they were all just kind of waiting for the storm to hit. Um, and I'll skip through a really long story, but they lost power. The guys were scared. Um, they got power a couple, couple days later. And um, during that time, though, they had a lot of time to talk about spiritual things. And, um, and it was fascinating to us that Sean was the one who was leading the charge of, like, okay, no, here's why Christians believe what they believe. And here's why this, the Bible says this is a sin. And, and he was able to articulate that, you know, what the Bible says is a sin is based on the character of God. And so he was able to introduce um, those concepts to those, those guys. Well, there was one guy on the floor, and, and there were several, um, several other things that this um, a gentleman was really passionate about. But he was very angry and um, started to be very aggressive physically, verbally, um, emotionally toward some of these guys who, who did... Um, acknowledged that the Bible was the truth. And it, it got to a point where 
the guys would not go to the bathroom by themselves. They would not walk outside by themselves. And and so we were like, okay, Lord, do we get involved? Like, what do we do? He's an adult now. Um, well, it turns out the guys, a lot of the people on the floor, when people started coming back to campus, they started a petition against this, this guy named Zane. And um, they wanted him out of the dorm. They were like, we just don't feel safe. He's, he's threatening our rights here. And, and somehow Sean got appointed as the person to do the interviews for why. And then he was supposed to submit it to the authority for the dorm. So Sean was like, okay. And he did the interviews and um, got a phone call from Sean. And he was very upset. And he was like, mom, I'm mortified. And I was like, what happened, buddy? And he's like, well, I submitted the document. Turns out some people lied to me. I said, I, I don't do that. I don't lie. I don't lie about people. And I can't, I, I normally do my homework. And I can't believe I submitted to the president of housing department to get this guy out of our dorm lies. And I'm like, okay, what are you going to do to make it right? It's like, well, I need to go back and fix it. Right, right. Yep, you do. And he's like, I, and then he kept talking because it's still, he still was carrying some guilt. And in the background, his roommate kept kind of calling out, like, Sean, you're fine. You just let it go. You know, everything is okay. And I was like, Sean, what's going on? He's like, Mom, I feel guilty. I'm like, why? He's like, well, I hurt Zane. I'm like, yeah. And then, you know, his roommate's like, let it go, let it go. You, you don't need to apologize. You don't need to do anything. I was like, Sean, what does the Bible say? He's like, I got to go to him. I say, yep. And Zane's like, you're not going to him. Or not Zane, but his roommate said, you're not going to Zane. It's not safe. And I was like, Sean, I'm going to leave that between you and the Lord, but you know what to do. So he was like, okay, Mom, great. Hung up. Well, the next day, we got a text. And, and Sean, it, it was like all caps. He's like, you are not going to believe what happened. Um, he met Zane at the library. And he just walked up to Zane and he said, hey, can I talk to you? And he said that Zane kind of got in that stance, like he, he was ready he was ready for a fight. And, and Zane's like, okay. And Sean said, I'm sorry. I hurt you. I was lied to, and I am so sorry. And he said, you know, to say that Zane's countenance just melted would be an understatement. I guess how it ended, you know, shook hands. They were friends. Zane did end up getting kicked out of the dorm, so he's no longer there. Um, but the win for us was Sean acted on what he knew to be right. But it was beyond us just telling him this is the right thing to do. It, it was an internal, like, I'm going to do this because it honors God. Um, and that has taken almost 19 years. <laughs> to get that win story, but um, yeah, we're, we're not going to even pretend that parenting isn't messy and that the issues, that even I know some, some of my friends sitting here are going through, they're huge and they look like mountains, and I think we just want to encourage you, don't give up. Sometimes I remember telling Ryan, like, I know why God destroyed the earth with the flood. Like, he regretted having, you know, making people, and he was just like, I'm done. We need to start over. And I've, I've been there. Like, why did we have kids? But, 
you know, but hang in there following God's example of, look, okay, I'm so mad at you, and I did not choose to have all the conflict and tension in, in my home, and this was not my dream, but I'm going to follow the example of Jesus, and I will not give up on you because love doesn't quit. Love just keeps going. So I think that's, that's our encouragement, especially just getting in the word, um, loving your kids enough to get the truth into them and walking alongside them. Absolutely. Keep planting seeds because there's a lot of the roommate voices out there with our kids, right? And they're speaking to them. But they got to have God's voice and God's perspective. So uh, time is 7.30, so um, I want to pray. And uh, there's also some resources here. Can you just mention those really fast? And then while she's grabbing those, um, we brought these because we don't want these. So if you want a watermelon, please take one. If not, it won't hurt her feelings. Um, we're gonna, we'll just throw them away. So, well, um, and if you get this one, you can see the rabbit tried to eat it, but it didn't. It didn't get in through the skin. And our daughter Elena wanted to see what color it was, so she cut a window, but it's yellow. Um, so if you pick that the one, there's, there's a window in it. But we have too many watermelons, so you all are welcome to them. Um, this is a fantastic resource, talking with your kids about God. Really good. Um, it's just beyond, like, the characters of the Bible, but going back to, like, who is God? Why do we do what we do and believe what we believe? Um, Mama Bear Apologetics this is fantastic as well. They have a, a blog. They've got podcasts. Um, and, and this helps with the reasons of our faith. Very, very good. Um, and then I know a lot of us moms are going through lies girls believe. Um, and the truth that sets them free. So this teaches the girls how to get into the word. They're learning to underline and, um, and then pick out the lies from culture, but then apply the truth of the word. So those are some good ones. And then just good resources are like lifeway.com. You can go there and you can just type in, you know, Bible studies for boys or Bibles for different age groups. Um, Amazon has a bunch too. So, yeah. Yep. So when you come up to get a watermelon... Check out the books, and um, they're here for you to thumb through and see what you think. Can I just pray for, for you, for us, and then I think the kids are coming back in, and we're going to carve some watermelon, I mean some pumpkins tonight, all right? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for uh, tonight and uh, the chance to, as families, come together, the chance for kids to get invested into, but, but I pray, too, for us parents that we would uh, have encouragement, and we thank you that we don't venture down this road alone you walk with us. You give us the wisdom we need. And, and Lord, we just tonight, as parents, we, we humble ourselves to recognize we need your wisdom. We need your favor. We need Holy Spirit for you to work on the hearts, minds of our children. We love them, and, and we are not, they're not ours. But we have them for a season to steward them, to love them, to invest into them. I pray that you'd help us to be faithful to get Scripture into them any way we can. And we know that as those seeds are planted, there will be a return. We praise this, praise this in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, thank you for, for listening. I hope it was an encouragement.